Welcome to the What's Up with Docs podcast, the documentary podcast for all of us. I'm Tony Bell, the creator and host. Over the past 10 years, I've done archival research for documentary films, gotten a certificate in screenwriting from UCLA, and directed and produced a short, which is my thesis for a master's in visual anthropology at USC. And now, I work on the industry side providing support for filmmakers. The What's Up with Docs podcast will provide an opportunity to discover what drives those of us who are dedicated to the documentary field as a career, even when it gets hard. And we are committed to unapologetically celebrating the voices of those who are not normally heard. In this episode, I speak with director-writer Emily Cohen-Ivinez and protagonist-writer Ashley Solis-Pavon about their upcoming project, Fruits of Labor, and what it's like to collaborate on the filmmaking process. Like Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock say, it takes two. I spoke with them at the 2020 Big Sky Documentary Film Festival. Here is our conversation. So first, I just kind of like want to chat about how, Emily, how we um, first met. Um, So we met through your film, Virtual War, um, which is about... Yeah, so Virtual War uh, really looks at... It follows two uh, Iraq veterans um, and their ex- uh, experiences with uh, new immersive technologies in military psychiatry. So one of them being um, uh, what's called virtual reality exposure therapy, where a patient wears a headset and is re-immersed in war. And another that is before deployment when they're actually at Hollywood studios, TV studios, and going through war scenes repetitively. And the idea is that this would desensitize, you could do these treatments before, during, and after deployment, and it's um, they call it habituation, but in more common parlance, we might call it desensitization. And so it's a controversial, and I was really looking, how does this play out in these two men's lives who are friends? And, um, you know, I come from academia mm-hmm. originally, so I'm trained as an anthropologist. and She's I a ha- doctor. Yes, I'm a doctor, but probably you wouldn't. If you get injured, don't call me. <laughs> but if you have anthropology questions, call her. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I can get all ethnographic on you. Yeah. And um, so <laughs> Hashtag that, all ethnographic. Yeah, and so um, I got funding from the National Science Foundation. Yeah, I wanted to talk about yeah. that, too. Um just about that process, um, wh- what was that like for you? Because a lot of people, when they think about documentary, they don't think about the Ni- National Science Foundation. But there are a lot of docs that have like a science theme now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. more and more. And, you know, they're looking for money. So how yeah. did that happen for you? So, you know, I did do my doctorate. So as a graduate student, when I was doing work, I was doing research um, on rehabilitation medicine for people injured by landmines in Colombia. And I did a film work with that. And um, I, uh, you know, the way that I pitched that in my grant proposal was, you know, I had to show all the research, but that, um, that I was going to use film as a medium of communication to get 
science and science concepts out to a broader audience. So that, and that's something a part of the National Science Foundation's mission. Okay. So um, then when I got a postdoc, I did the same thing. So they were able mm -hmm. to pay from certain things. Of course, they used to have a film fund, and it was at the time when I was doing virtual war, that was discontinued. Mm -hmm. So I really did it as this postdoctoral fellowship. And, um, but you know, when you're working within s science funding, I think it's another one that supported me in that project was um, the Wendergren Foundation of Anth for Anthropological Research. And they do have a film grant, um, the Fayhouse Fellowship. Yeah, and for those of you who aren't familiar with that foundation, that's like one of the larger, like I would say well-known, well, highly esteemed funds for anthropologists out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah they'll support you in research and your book writing um, through different stages of your career. And that's obviously, wow, you know, to be, get that funding and support um, is always so crucial for filmmakers. The downside to it is because I hadn't yet um, gotten into the industry side, those funders aren't gonna necessarily connect you as other funders would. For example, now with our film, mm -hmm. uh, with Ashley, we've been supported by Just Films Ford Foundation, mm -hmm. California Humanities, um, Bay Area Video Coalition, Neotero. Now we have this fellowship. With Fourth with, World Media. Yeah, wow. Fourth World Media. Mm -hmm. And so when you get funding and support from these organizations, that gives you your the the radar is on in a way in the industry. You're flagged to the industry. You're kind of vetted, mm -hmm. and that allows for the film to have a different kind of visibility. Right. So you know, I think if you can swing combining those things, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. could be excellent. Um, you know, at the same time, I haven't gone back to my academic funders because I, you know, I feel like they're like she's not. You know, she's she's not doing academia anymore. Yeah. She's over there making movies. Yeah. What's academic about that? Yeah. A lot, actually. A lot, actually. <laughs> and that's a problem in, in anthropology that we separate. There's right. this idea of people who are the writers and people who are the filmmakers. And mm -hmm. somehow we're not um, accredited in the same way within the tenure track of academia. Right. And um, I mean, and you see that also with things like, you know, journalism programs have been quick to embrace, um, you know, film as part of their medium, um, as well as sociology programs. You know, but like anthropology is still a little stuck. Yeah. So, Ashley, I've seen you before. <laughs> I've seen the short Fruits of Labor, and we're going to talk about that um, a little bit. But tell us a little bit about your um, background. Well, my background, um, I'm from Baltimore, California, but my family's from Guatemala, Veracruz, and it's known as like the land of sorcerers. And okay. well, my dad is as he has his Aztec stuff mm -hmm. going on, and he's really big. My whole family's really big with spiritual kindness and this like mystic kind of stuff, like black magic or like white magic. And there's like this whole not really drama, but it's like one side of my family's black, another one's white magic. So, oh really? Yeah. That's a documentary. Yeah, we have yeah. that in the doc. Okay, okay, okay. Put <laughs> it in the doc. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, but anyway, go ahead. Okay. So <laughs> in the documentary, we embedded that spiritual guidance from my grandma that does a lot of white magic, and always um, her supporting me and always being there to tell me, uh, guide me, but also being able to connect with all my six senses and having that orbit around me and being able to, um, like, connect to it and always remember where I'm from. 
Right. Yeah. That's great. And then I was looking at your um, bio on the Fourth World uh, Media Lab website, and um, you are you have experienced filmmaking. I didn't realize like that was part of your experience um, with the River Park Video Collective, um, and the and but also tell me I like to learn more about that. But also your work with the community, a community key, the Community Agroecology Network. Yeah, well, um, it's called Growing Justice. Mm -hmm. And I started going to into that um, organization. I was 14 when I got there. Wait, and how old are you now? 19. Okay. 19. And, well, we started going around our community, um, seeing there was a lot of ice rates around that time. So there was a lot of people scared to come out and talk about what they're scared of, what they want change in their community, especially with violence and um, working conditions and how um, food insecurity, how they go to the fields, they pick up strawberries, they pick up um, salad. Um, they do a lot of, um, they work with a lot of like organic stuff, but they can't even afford that. It's because they have to choose between their health care or organic food. And obviously a lot of people go towards their health care, getting the medicines, and then just going to fast food. So right, because that's, it, it's cheaper. It's, it's, it's less expensive. It's affordable, actually. Yeah, mm -hmm. It's yeah. more affordable. Yeah. And around my community, there's literally a Burger King in the street from that. It's a McDonald's. Mm -hmm. We're surrounded by, by a lot of um, um, fast food. So it's like we want to make a change. So we're like, let's see how we could do this. And we're like, if there's a lot of violence in some of the communities that we got, what if we turn those alleys or those parking lots that have a lot of, people that go and abuse that by doing drugs, having youth people go over there and sell their little baggies and stuff, meet up there. So we're like, what if we turn this into an urban community garden? It'll bring out the community out. They'll feel like they have a safe place to go to. But not only that, they could grow their own organic food and they could be sustainable by that way. Right, and yeah. use the skills that they're using to grow food, to grow food for themselves, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So um, we did that, and then I went to Nicaragua, and then... We, um, around that time, we were seeing how we could do fertilizers, how they're sustainable, how they have mm -hmm. networks that connect with them, and what they do is the same that we were doing, too. So it was, like, it's really impactful how they do that, and we couldn't, like, do that because city council was like, oh, we don't have the money. It's too much mm -hmm. taxes. And now this year, they want to take it down. They want to sell it to a private owner. And mm -hmm. so we're seeing how we're going to have to battle this <laughs> it's like we're gonna have to go back because you're I'm, you're near silicon valley like that whole is the land in like in danger of being like essentially overdeveloped it gentrification happening so as, i mean essentially there's this this issue of like they're not being affordable housing is that something that's like hit your community well i don't know what they're gonna do with that lot but me and emily were talking about it and we were well she noticed how like we're segregated and uh mm -hmm. Like, there in Santa Cruz has a lot of white people, and where I'm at, like, mm -hmm. somewhere in the south, and there's a lot of Latinos and documented people. So it's like, we don't get that much attention of what's really happening. Right. So it's like, as a community, we're trying to get together and trying to be like, oh, we're here, and we're trying to make a change. Like, listen to us, too. Mm -hmm. But yes, and there are rising rent prices. That's mm -hmm. one of the issues. So like, Ashley's family, and you've seen mm -hmm. the film, like, yeah. a, a lot of families are on the verge of homelessness constantly vulnerable to becoming homeless mm -hmm. because especially if you are undocumented for example and you can't sign a lease um right so legally land, yeah. yeah legally mm -hmm. so then landlords lease, right. are charging very high rents yeah mm -hmm. um and so multiple families will live in a, one place for example right right okay so let's um talk about 
Fruits of Labor. Um, it started out as a short. And so tell me just how you and Ashley first met. Ashley and I met, I was, um, so I had, have a long history with Watsonville. Tell us about Watsonville because I went there for the first time when I stayed with you for Triple A. Yeah. And I was just impressed by the community that was there, community of artists and community of filmmakers and like really like the local people creating content for themselves. Like I feel like I'd never seen that, especially in something that proceed as a, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me, but like a small town. So tell us about Watsonville and then how you and Ashley met. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Watsonville, um, you know, as far as the history with my personal relationship with it, um, in the 90s, I was a college student at UC Santa Cruz, and I got involved in the strawberry strike. So Watsonville is a town that's dominated by agricultural fields and factories, and mainly strawberries, the biggest product, berries. So they're the biggest producers of strawberries, um, I think, in the world, and export and also national. So More so than, like, Florida uh, as well. As, yeah, I mean, yeah, because like I, I lived in Tampa, Florida, okay. and like there, when you're driving from Tampa to Orlando, you can just see the strawberry fields. Okay, yeah, yeah that's like for for for, for miles, yeah, miles and miles and miles. Yeah, and so okay. Watsonville's kind of like that, and all the way through Salinas on the Central Coast. Okay, and um, so yeah, so uh, there was a big strike. We had ten thousand people marching actually in Watsonville at the time. Jesse Jackson came out. It was a big deal. And we um, were liaison, student liaison group, and we had uh, women farm workers come to campus to talk about sexual harassment in the fields. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then I worked in the community with the Santa Cruz AIDS Project, and um, so that was sort of my history with, with Watsonville. And then I left, and I, I lived in New York for a while, and then I moved back a re- for a job at UC Santa Cruz. And I was helping uh, run this research center and I taught this visual sociology course. And so the idea was, okay, let's make a video collective with my college students and Watsonville youth. And that's the, how the River Park Garden Collective yeah. started. And it was a collaboration with the Community Agroecology Network, mm-hmm. which my sister happens to head. So there's yeah. a lot of familial relationships. That works. <laughs> and so we decided we'd collaborate. And that's how I met Ashley. Yeah. And so Ashley um, has a very good eye, by the way, with a camera. She doesn't do camera work on this film, but she totally, she did it for the video collective, and I see that in her future. And and just, she stood out. She stood out because Mm -hmm. she had a real understanding personally and politically Mm -hmm. around food insecurity, around the housing insecurity. Um, How, you know, this is, Watsonville is a small town. Um, and, you know, there's this image that in the United States, rural America and rural working class America somehow is white. Yeah, that's the perception, that's a lie, that's what we're sold. Yeah. And it's not true. It's Uh, it's just as diverse as mm -hmm. any other community. Yeah, and Watsonville is a working class town, and it's a brown town. And so I thought, you know, this is really important to show this at this moment. Let's disrupt this narrative that it's like the working class and this is why the xenophobia and this and that. Because that's not actually how work is done in this country. And so I've always cared about labor a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of my projects and my films, there is that through line. Looking at the economy and labor, but then how it's lived 
in your grounded experience and in your body. Food, for example, is something that I'm really interested in because it's we all need to eat. Right. It's something we put in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And we put a whole economy in our bodies. And sometimes we don't see the people who are picking our food or processing our food. And it ends up being youth like Ashley that are doing a lot of that work. Right. So when we, we did the River Park Garden film, there was a video collective, and then there was an uptick in ice raids. And I was like, how do we tell this story? Because I started noticing a lot of the youth mm -hmm. that we had been working with, like Ashley and her friends, mm -hmm. were replacing their parents or the adults in the fields and the factories because many of them are U.S. born. And you don't have to worry about ice. Yeah. They're not, they're not, well, in theory, they're not looking for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh my, this is the unintended consequences of ice raids. I don't think that's something that people are thinking about. Yeah, it's child labor. Yeah. You know, yeah. it is. Yeah. A lot of people know about it. It's like the company you called, they knew about it, but it's just like, we know <laughs> we have people working with different names and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So with the factory, we didn't exactly yeah. get inside because um, that issue. But it, mm -hmm. in the U.S., what's amazing is labor laws in the United States are completely different when it comes to agricultural and domestic labor. And you know why that is. Mm -hmm. Racism. Mm -hmm. You know, because these are, these are vestiges left over from um, the racist South and, and Jim Crow in order to keep, you know, African-Americans subjugated at the time. And because we have not dealt with that legacy, unfortunately, is being forced on you. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. complete. And, you know, even with the New Deal, Yes. That, that those were etched out of, of all the other labor laws. The factories... I was, I was going to say Social Security, yeah. too, as well, mm -hmm. as far as Social Security benefits and um, how much is paid by employers. Yeah, I mean, all, all of that. Yeah. You can be 10 years old and work 40 hours in the field. Right. So, um, and that's legal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot, like, you can talk about, Ashley, like, when you're out in the fields picking, yeah. like, all the kids, right? I met, like, two girls. One of them was 12 and 13, mm. and they were coming all the way from Greenfields. And then um, she was really, really tired, and she kept telling me, like, I'm tired. I was like, go take a break or something. She's like, I can't. And I was like, she had her whole face covered. Right. And I was like, why do you cover your whole face? And she told me, don't tell nobody, but I'm 13. I was like wow you're here she's like yeah it's like i know my family struggles and i need to do this it's like right. i need to be the one taking the money over there to them or where am i gonna end up at right and i was just like wow i'm not the only one she's younger than me and she's doing this and it's just like so do you find that this is something that that um maybe because of this film that you're finding out there there are other kids out there yeah, I, like you like but the, so everybody's kind of like in the in the the closet in a way yeah in the beginning when I met Emily there was a point in time where I was not going to graduate and I was just like you know what? I'm going to drop out I'm going to help out my family and I'm going to start working yeah I remember that was like kind of the theme of the the short mm -hmm. yeah that was the theme of the short yeah yeah and in my mind I was like you know what I'm not going to make it I'm going to drop out I was not even thinking about graduating no more I was not even going to try no more it's like at the end of the day, I can't go to college because I'm going to have to be stuck in a factory or the fields working to provide, what, 900 a week or something or less than that. And it's, it was just crazy. And then I was just like, wait, hold up. I'm not the only one. And if I do this too, I'm just going to end up getting trapped like every other youth has been trapped and stayed in that, right. like trapped in that um, 
in that place where it's like we end up in like low um wages dead end jobs and i'm just gonna i was like i'm gonna i'm just gonna be another forgotten one it's like there got there's half there has to be a change right yeah. right that's powerful that's powerful um so i want to kind of talk about um kind of like change the tone a little bit because i remember when i saw you at the leap National last time at the Leap National Association of Latino Independent Producers, it was you, me, and then Janet Nunez of ITBS. Yes. And at the time, you were like you were looking for money. Yep. <laughs> and you talked about how you channeled your frustration and the rejection emails you got into your garden. So um, Janet and I kind of joked about, oh, we need to come see you at your new place and have some of your rejection salad. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yes, I do. Yes. I find gardening healing. Right. And um, I now have a garden at my home. Before, with the other rejections, I had a community garden in Santa Cruz. Okay. (laughs) The other rejections. Yeah. So, the first rejections, that was a wild summer of summer squash. Um, (laughs) Very, very large heirloom zucchinis came out of that. Okay. Like, so large that I had, like... That's right. You said you had to give it away. Well, you couldn't give it away. You had so much. I had so much. I mean, I was giving away, and I was eating zucchini every evening. I know how to make fried zucchini, stuffed zucchini, (laughs) and even zucchini spaghetti. Oh, like the spirals. Yeah, the spirals. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out anything. So we subsist from that. But so, yeah, so when, uh, you know... Any art form, and filmmaking included, involves a lot of rejection. Right. And, you know, it it's, it can be painful. Um, I was telling a friend, you know, and we were both in the Bay Area Video Coalition um, of National Fellowship, or whatever. It's a fellowship with Bay Area. And I said, you know, she was really upset with the rejection. I said, you know, at a certain point, yes, it's true that you're like, all right, another one. But a little piece of you dies. A little piece of you dies. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> With everyone. So when you go to the garden. You could get that back. Yeah. Okay. So you plant the seeds or you plant and you get, you got to do something that grew and became something. Mm-hmm. So maybe your film is a roller coaster ride, but something is very beautiful and nurturing life. And I, I really believe that gardening is a healing thing. Um, and it nourishes you. Yeah, but I was going to say, like, um, you have not really been eating much rejection salad because uh, you got money from LPB, Latino Public Broadcasting, recently. Um, now you and Ashley are part of this Fourth World Media Fellowship. And you got Nia Tara, right? Nia Tara. We got Just Films Ford Foundation. Oh, you got Just Films. What <laughs> else you got? California Humanities. I'm going to brag. California Humanities. Yeah, yeah, California Humanities. List them, list them, list them. <laughs> Bay Area Video Coalition. Uh, Firelight Media now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, right Firelight after Media. this, I a got, documentary yeah. fellow for Firelight yeah. Media. Okay. So I was going to invite you and Janet to eat my rejection salad. I still yes, want okay, you yeah, to because I want you to, yeah, it tastes good and I want them to feel, pain, yeah, feel my pain a little bit. <laughs> I think it's important, but, um, but at the same time, yes, it's, it could be a celebration because, and I think that's a really good point um, because when I was switching careers, uh, there was a lot of rejection, a lot. A lot and of I salad. A lot of salad eating and no dressing. 
could quite make it feel right. <laughs> and there was tears. Okay. And, you know, and a lot of this, I think, just if you, there is a sustainability problem in our industry. Um, but if you can stick with it and keep meeting people, keep going to the places, join collectives like the Brown Girls Doc Mafia, apply to these fellowships that open the doors, um, you'll get somewhere. Because if you believe in your vision and you believe in your story and there's something there to say, you just, it, it'll come around. It'll right. come around. The opportunity will come. Yeah. Okay, so since you mentioned Brown Girls, tell us a little bit about Brown Girls for the folks out there who don't know about okay. that. Okay, I love Brown Girls. Because y'all need yeah. to know. Yeah, <laughs> Brown Girls Doc Mafia was key for me, as still is. So, you know, I, well, one person, Aurora Guerrero, who I'll say, she says, I'm not, your, but she's my mentor. And she was the first person to introduce me to NALIP, the National Association for Independent. Um, Latino Independent uh, Producers. Pr yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that was very key. And then uh, she actually was the person who told me about Brown Girls when there was just a couple hundred uh, members. So I joined that group. It was initially a Facebook group and founded by Yaba Boyd, who, who direct, continues to direct the, the collective. And really what we're about is changing the power structure in the industry. Um, so, you know, there's a real uh, disparity between racial, gender, and class disparity yes. in, in the industry, but massive. And I don't know quite the numbers, but women of color were pretty low in right. our, our representation. And what Brown Girls has done is, you know, um, creating first, we were just like this secret network. We were a mafia. And <laughs> we were supporting each other. And through this online community and maybe mm -hmm. meeting up here and there. And then we went public, I think Sundance 2018. That was the first one? Well, we went to True, True Falls. True We went to True that, Falls, right? yeah, before for that. For that, right. And since then have been gaining incredible momentum. Um, now I coordinate and I also lead and, and been part of organizing the Bay Area um, Brown Girls in, in California. At the festivals, what we do, like this last Sundance, you know, Wow, we have maybe, I, I don't know the number of partners, 20, 30 partners. Um, we got, this year we got a sponsorship from CNN Films and had our first reception at Sundance. Awesome. Um, that's amazing, and people were talking about us. <laughs> so we're all about, yeah, we want visibility. We want people to know who we are as makers. We want people to pay us and hire us. Um, we, uh, we open the gate. So oftentimes the idea was, oh, if you have these familial connections or somehow connected to these worlds, um, well, we're about like, no, we're going to open the door for us. Right. And so we're lifting each other up. So we meet with Netflix, we meet with HBO, mm -hmm. CNN films, all these people, we open the door and we do it as a community and as a collective supporting each other. Right. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. It and is. yeah, and it's like a warm hug. Like there's, I mean, some of these festivals, not Big Sky's been beautiful and being part of Fourth World. But if you go alone to one of these festivals, Sundance can be a little traumatic. It can or, be intimidating. Yeah, yeah, pretty intimidating. And so to have a community of, you know, people who understand what you're going through and that you can just say, this is my safe place to right. be is so important to survive and sustain yourself. Mm -hmm. You need to find economic sustainability, but you also have to find emotional sustainability. Exactly, exactly. Because my, my first Sundance was last year, 2018. 
And my first day, uh, well, first of all, I didn't want to go because I felt like it was Sunday. was going to be um, Los Angeles with um, ice and a higher concentration of celebrities. But my, but I got there the second week, and my my first full day there, I was like doing all brown girl stuff, and it really like kind of set the tone. Um, this year, I got there a little late, so I wasn't able to participate in brown brown girl stuff. But you know, it really and like. It made me feel like, okay, this is like my kind of like documentary festival. This is like my group of documentary people, even though Sundance doesn't completely focus, doesn't focus on documentaries. But it really kind of set the tone for that first Sundance for me. So Ashley, I want to talk to you um, about a little bit like what it's like from essentially moving from the role of protagonist slash subject as you were in the short, which was originally called, it was originally Ashley's story, right? Yeah, when we were raising funds, funds. in our seed and spark, but yeah, then but we changed it to Fruits of Labor. Now it's Fruits yeah. of Labor, yeah. but now moving into like co-collaborator, co-writer role, like what was that shift like for you? Or are you still trying well, to like fill it out? Well, at first when Emily told me about it, I was like, I'm really bad at writing. I would always tell her I'm really bad at writing. It's like, it takes me almost like an hour to start in this or something or to get ideas and then she was just like well let me help you out and she just gave me different words and I was like okay and then I just started writing out of nowhere and then she read it. I was like wow this sounds really poetic I never knew I could do this you know so it was probably like I was just probably writing boring stuff since it was essays from school yeah so, you didn't have anything interesting yeah, to write about like, yeah like, you're you're interesting so <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> so I was just like putting everything there like all my feelings and stuff but I mean at points there was like I don't really want to touch about, I don't really want to talk about that because it's like, I already went through it, but it was just like, I never healed from it. So it's just like, it felt like a healing therapy, being able to write it out and being able to go back and be like, this is really how I felt. And it was, it, I, I felt like it's a healing process, but also it made me um, realize that I know how to write. It's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's great. And um, I know, um, Emily, you talked about, like, doing, like, you have, like, mini classes with Ashley and in the beginning. Can you talk a little bit <laughs> about that? Because what I want to try to get to is, like, how important it is, like, particularly if you're um, doing a film about someone from a community that you're not a part of, like, how important it is to make sure that person has a voice. And there are ways that you could collaborate them so they can get not only um, be heard, but also get that valuable experience that, you know, maybe you want to continue to write for documentaries. So. Absolutely. So, you know, I do have an educator background. Yes. <laughs> um, I love writing. I love reading and writing. I think it's so powerful. And I think that I media is great and it really attracts young people mm -hmm. but I think that we become better media makers when we also write mm -hmm. so there's I, I'm a big advocate of that first of all okay but um for for the way we did the process you know this has been a discovery process for me too because right, this is the first time even though you've done movies before this is the first time you kind of co-collaborated to this level to the, okay. I've done some co-writing for virtual war um I did some writing work but not to this extent mm -hmm. and where it's been so successful. So I do think every story is different and our co-writing is really authentic to the process. Um, so, you know, at first it was just, let's try it out. Let's so do how it. do you structure that? Yeah. Like you like get in a room and like, are you looking at footage or you're it's talking? It's evolved. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, 
So in the first time, just that test day, I'm like, let's see if you like it, Ashley. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh. mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> so <laughs> let's see what this is, you know. So um, at first it was when we were in that sound booth at the community television Santa Cruz. And I would just give a few, I, you know, I had been working on some scenes. I would give a few words and I'd leave the room. So just mm-hmm. write. It doesn't matter. Don't care about your grammar. We can fix that mm-hmm. because I believe revise, writing is uh, an exercise in revision. Yes. And that's part of the power. I do believe that there is a healing aspect to storytelling. And part of it is that we can go back and revise. And we have that power. And so, um, you know, so at first it was really like let out whatever it is. And I'm leaving the room. Yeah. And then I come back. And then I'd read, I'd be like, is it okay if I read it? And she'll, yeah. And so then I'd read through, and I'm like, ah, like, right here, that's golden. Let's go deeper there. And I was like, really? Is it really that good? And then, but, because writing's revising. Right, exactly. that seed, it's like the garden. Mm -hmm. You get the seed, you plant it, turns into a flower, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And so, um, that's really the, how we started the process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, okay, let's do something like a little more intense. So then, you know, I, I'd gotten some funding. So that with the California Humanities Funding, I'm like, let's do our first retreat. Let's, you know, we're artists. That's let's, right, yeah. Let's like actually do what artists do. We go on retreats. And so we stayed at a bed and breakfast, um, Santa Cruz. I'm going to give a shout out to Boca del Cielo because they've been super awesome yes. supporting brown girls and us, giving mm-hmm. really... Because you know, oh, that's, so that's where you had the first brown girls yeah, retreat. And yeah, they okay. Us major discounts. They were a huge supporter. Okay. And um, anyway, and so we did uh, a great retreat. I think we did three days at that Yeah, one. we did three days. Yeah, and that was mainly we were watching scenes, mm-hmm. we were reflecting on it, and recording, right? And yeah, doing reflecting that and recording. same initial exercise, mm-hmm. but more deeply talking about story arc and like mm-hmm. how. Like, I think about story, and then actually, like, we're kind of having conversation about it. Right. To figure out what our rhythm would be. Um, and then I think in our latest one, that was five days at my house. Yeah, five days at Yeah, so yeah. you stayed This was after you Oakland. moved yeah. to, mm-hmm. to the new so house. Then, okay. Yeah, so then Ashley came and stayed. We have a guest room in Oakland, and um, which you could stay at any time. I know, yeah. <laughs> have some of that, well, non-rejection salad. Yeah, non-rejection salad now, yeah. And I'm even growing strawberries. Yeah, so. okay, great. <laughs> And so um, then uh, we started talking about playwrights. Like mm-hmm. we talked about Brecht. Remember? Mm-hmm. We, um, for me, I love Zora Neale Hurston. So we read a little bit mm-hmm. of Their Eyes Were Watching God. Well, you told me that you love Oliver Sacks. Yeah, said. Oliver Sacks. We okay. were doing psychology and just mm-hmm. going in and seeing disabilities and science and like okay. seeing why this happens to them. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, because you were taking a psychology mm-hmm. class yeah. in Chicana studies. Mm-hmm. Chicana yeah. studies, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I kind of partly pushed Zora on you, but <laughs> I really Zora's think we good. gotta go back. Yes. She's beautiful, yes. and, um, she's my Shiro, and I always actually threw, I always decide she's, like, the person, I think it's important, like, we talk about the ancestors in the film mm-hmm. quite a bit, and I think it's important, like, she's my I've she's her. an anthropologist. She's she's, she's an anthrop- anthropologist. And she also did film. Fi- and she did film. And she wrote one of the first who yeah. to do both. To yeah. Do both. And she wrote probably one of the greatest novels of the American canon. And um, so I just I love her. And um, 
yeah, I just see her as like this companion. I read her whenever I can. And um, so, yeah, I think that, so we've talked about, we talked about Brecht and like, um, we have these, what we're calling black boxes. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about our studio sheets? And we'll, I mean, we're trying to figure out how it will work. Yeah. So this is this is like the process number three. Like yeah. this how it's evolving. Okay. So like it was like this studio and it's like all black and then uh, cameras were like on her face and then Emily oh had this what was it? That little machine with um a fog machine. Yeah. <laughs> so really? <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> atmosphere yeah so it was like i felt really mystic and like oh wow like what's going on yeah, yeah. But, a lot and it was just like is it too like thick or can you breathe or this and that no, but yeah it was really fun and then um so wait you sit in the dark room with the with the fog and the you. light and there's different we, there's so part sometimes we brought both Ashley's mom and mm -hmm. her boyfriend in the space. Mm -hmm. So they talked about her and her, their relationship and their mm -hmm. their experience. To kind of make it a little bit more uninhibited? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think the idea was that it would sort of, so, you know, and I'm not sure. We'll see how, you know, how <laughs> it's going to fit in because we're reworking and massaging and mm -hmm. the material. But um, the idea was that it produced kind of breaks. So it's like the short is a very straight, uh, more traditional verite style. Mm -hmm. We were talking about Verte now, right? The mm -hmm. observational mm -hmm. style, right. like where you're like a fly in the wall, yeah. and you're just watching life unfold, which is beautiful, and um, and I love that tradition. But there's also sort of the idea of okay, then we, how can we challenge the audience not to be a passive consumer, mm -hmm. and where mm -hmm. different things can happen in the space. Now that we've filmed and we've been reflecting so much on the story, mm -hmm. what are kind of these moments of like rupture? Moments, yeah, yeah. and like. Actually, I think we are not, but there was one point where we confronted the audience. We've been experimenting with like all you're breaking ways. that fourth wall. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay, uh -huh. okay. Um, so we've done a lot of stuff, and we'll see. You know, there's certain ones that work really well, mm -hmm. and there's certain things that maybe haven't worked as well. Okay. But, um, mm -hmm. so we've, but it's been fun. Yeah, mm -hmm. we brought right. a lot it's of experimental, and then yeah, um, we had to make a bed, so we made it out of these like <laughs> steps. <laughs> And then we had to, I brought my pillow and everything. And I was laying out. there. I was like, I hope I don't fall in here. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like whether, however much of it comes in the film or not. Yeah. It was, it's like what I started realizing the first experiment that it was like a little safe haven for us to like mm -hmm. have joy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Because there's a lot of hardship in the film, but there's also, I mean, a lot of humor. You girls yeah. are funny. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> when like her and her friend Angie are shopping for yeah. like prom dresses. I mean, yeah, there's some drama, a little drama there. There's a little funny. Yeah, drama yeah. funny. <laughs> Dramedy. Yeah. yeah, and they talk about, oh, don't want that dress that looks like an abuelita. Yeah, I don't want to look like you know, drama. Oh, my love handles aren't going to come out here. <laughs> oh, really, and then they start joking about high heels. So there's some, a lot of fun that we've had as well. And I think mm -hmm. that's been really important um, to make this experience of creation. It's like there is a traumatic aspect to this, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Right. You're dealing and with some tough topics. Yeah. yeah. And this is Ashley's life, you know, that we're she's right. giving us the window into what's happening with our youth. And, um, and so, like, yeah, to, how do we create spaces of, like, joyful filmmaking? I'm really interested in that. And how do we, it's just like collaborate and like, 
if Ashley doesn't want to become a filmmaker after this, I'm cool with it. I just want her to grow. Like, whatever this fellowship we're doing with Fourth World, I we've been talking about it. Anything, you, these are skills to take with you in life. Right. And I have to say, when um, I saw the announcement about um, – about the fellowship and that you 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 were actually going to be in it with Emily. I kind of cried a little bit. Aww. No, because you know, I I've, I've been feel like I've been watching you and hearing like Emily's updates about yeah. you and I'm like, what a like an amazing opportunity for yes. you. And uh-huh. like I said with like Emily said, like whatever you decide to do with it. Like you're going to be you're going to be meeting some phenomenal artists and filmmakers who are making changes yeah. in the world. Like these are people you, I feel like you're going to be connected to for life, yeah, you know, in, in some kind of form or fashion. Yeah. And just having, you know, Tracy kind of leading that helm mm-hmm. um, is like, I was, I was just so happy for you. Cause I know at one point we, when I first found out about you and about, about the film, you were interested in makeup uh-huh, and yeah, doing makeup. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and but like whatever you decide to do, I'm like this is just so what, and you're like 19. Yeah, I'm like who has this opportunity at 19? Like oh my god. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just like so excited um, for you. Yeah, yeah. And it's been like really inspiring throughout this like whole one like wondering around what am I gonna do in my like what is gonna be my career. So at first it was like I want to be a nurse, <laughs> but it was just like, it's an easy pathway to go to. It's like, you just go to nursing school, you get your diploma, you start working. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's the easy way I could start making money. But then it was always like behind my back and my behind my head. It was just like, I've always wanted to help my, out my community and try to make a change. And it's something that comes really natural because people do tell me, it's like, it's, you're natural at doing this. And it's like coming here and then just talking to my boyfriend about it. And he's like, you're really excited about it. I was like, yeah he's like I think you just found your career right here and I was like that's true it's like he's like you're forcing it too much where it's like I've grown up in like poverty all my time and like I want to reach to that top where I want to be rich to this and that and he's like but what's rich richness to you and I was like money He's like, oh, he's deep. And I was oh, like, oh, come on, he's asking some deep <laughs> questions. Go ahead, sorry. I don't and I interrupt. was like, he's like, no, what's um richness for you? I was like, money. I want to get, I want to get out of the hood. You know, that's our goal. And then he's like, you're looking at the bad way. Think about um, thinking about happiness. Think about you helping out people, you making a change, making slow changes where you come out and talk to people and they come out and suddenly you make connections and you suddenly make them feel like they have a safe spot around you and they come to you and it's like you, you're becoming an advocate and you don't even notice it because you do it so natural. And I was just like, you sound like a keeper. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like. I was just oh, like, okay. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was just like, wow, that's really true. It's just like, it's always been there, but I'm always trying to, like, go that easy pathway. And it's like, it's here, but I don't notice it, you know? I mean, there are different ways, so many different ways you can make that happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's what, you know, this is providing you an opportunity Yeah, and I do. love the way how um, documentaries can come across so many ways and do storytelling. And it's like, at the end of the day, we all, like, relate to each other and have a connection now. We're trying to make a change and trying to um, have those voices that are scared to come out, you know? I spoke with Emily a few weeks ago, and she and Ashley have been actively working on putting the finishing touches on Fruits of Labor. They continue their collaborative writing efforts 
even though they live in different towns. They've also found a way to record Ashley's voiceovers for the film in her car, which is one of the few places Ashley has access to quiet and privacy. Of course, we can't help but think about fruits of labor within the context of COVID-19. We have all become hyper-aware of the workers who are truly essential to the economy. Ashley's story is that of many children and youth throughout the nation and their parents who do the work of picking and harvesting the food that everyone eats. I encourage you to be conscious about the food you consume and advocate for policies that allow children to be children and protect the health and safety of farm workers. Thank you so much for listening today. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on all your podcast platforms. Visit our website at whatsupwdocs.com. That's whatsupwdocs.com. And make sure to sign up for our mailing list to get the latest show news. And you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at whatsupwdocs. Again, that's whatsupwdocs. And remember, keep telling your stories. Today's program was hosted by Tony Bell and produced and edited by Rennell Schubert. Music is by Sierra Thomas.